Hello and welcome to Centerpoint, the podcast for the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement, or CERA. I'm your host, Todd Scholl, and on this episode of Centerpoint, I had the opportunity to travel down to Somerville, South Carolina, where I visited with teacher cadets from Ashley Ridge High School. Victoria Merritt is the teacher cadet instructor there, and she shared a video with me of six young men who were addressing the Board of Education there. And I was just absolutely impressed by that and wanted an opportunity to speak with these young men about the importance of representation, the importance of diversity in our uh, teaching population, and, and strategies to recruit males and minorities. So without further ado, here's my interview with Darius Smith, Damar Proctor-Floyd, Dennis Wright, Jaheem President, Kyle Fersner, and Bernard Johnson. My first question to this group is, um, what is it that has made you consider teaching as a profession? What is it, what are some of the catalysts for you being drawn to the profession? Um, honestly, for me first, I was inspired by my second grade teacher who was African-American and just being around kids, it just brings something to me that makes me want to help or um, inspire, I guess, for future generations. Okay, who else? Well, for me, it's more of like, like you said, inspiring future generations, creating the future leaders, and you have the ability to like work your way up. So you could just start off as a teacher, but you also have the ability to like become a principal, a superintendent. You could do anything you want to. Um, for me, I feel like my whole life I've recognized like the fact that I could be a teacher, but I never wanted to do it because, I mean, the obvious stigma that money is a real issue, and it is. So that was my biggest deciding factor on why I didn't want to be a teacher more so than anything holding me back why I would, you know? So, um, but as of late, there have been obvious movements towards reform in teaching and that inspiration has led me to believe that there's no reason to not be part of the movement so you know what do you mean by the movement um just you know like last night we were at the CSU with, chapel yeah the right. CSU chapel talking about reform and teaching salaries and all really just so many issues in the field of education and how we're addressing those and solving them and I feel like the fact that that is coming to light, I can be a part of the solution as opposed to just not addressing it. Okay. Uh, for me, like I've always had a passion for people, I would say. Like when I was a kid, I kind of took it and translated it into like, oh, I want to be a doctor because doctors help people, duh. Like it makes sense and they make money, duh. But I got to high school. And, like, after going through school and, like, you know, it's like, I don't, do I really want to graduate from high school, go to college for four years, and then go to medical school for, medical school for eight years and then do all that schooling? I probably wouldn't want to do all that. And I was thinking about it. I was like, the people like me, because like, I was, I was going to become a pediatric specialist. Yeah. But I was like, I thought about it. And I was like, how many people like me can really afford to go to a pediatric specialist if they need to? So the, my range of help would be so limited by economic status at that point. So I was like, but... Everybody I've ever met in my entire life has had a teacher at some point in their lifetime. And so I think that was kind of the moment I was like, 
the teaching the professions, but for me, because that way my range of help, like my, it's no limits. Like it's not, your money doesn't play a role because I'm going to be a public school teacher. So yeah. if you, if you're in, if you are in this zone to go to my, to go to the school I teach at, then you're my student. It's just that simple. And also, like I said, I just have a passion for people and a passion for kids. So kind of makes sense to me. For me, it's been uh, a calling for a long time, uh, kind of like a, my form of a ministry to be a teacher, to be an agent of change, to to show love to somebody who may not be getting love at home, to show passion to somebody who may not get passion at home, to be somebody role model so they can see that my life is not respond to my circumstances or my surroundings. I can be greater than with the circumstances around me. That's why I want to be a teacher. Why do you think um, males, and particularly African-American males, are underrepresented in the teaching population in South Carolina? What is the core issue there, you think? I think there are a lot of things that play into the role of African-Americans not becoming teachers in South Carolina. Like, because we were at the board meeting yesterday, or we were at the CSU chapel yesterday, and a person said, like, the history of South Carolina itself, like, how it started, and how, like, that's still, there's still kind of, like, lingering effects of the foundation of this state. And I feel like people don't really realize, like, realize that until then, and take that into account, because... I don't know, like, I feel like depending on where you go in this state, you have polar opposite people. Like, you go 10 minutes down the road, you're in the country, or you go 30 minutes down the road, you're in the country, you go 10 minutes over there down D Road, you're in like the city urban part. Like, it's, you go downtown Charleston, that's a whole different set of people. And I just feel like with the mixtures of people, then like, also like, like we said, there's a lack of African American teachers in the teaching system. So, black people aren't growing up, but they're not being raised seeing people like them, because like, Representation, like, it plays such a big role. Like, that's, like, when I say it, like, I really mean it because, like, if you don't see somebody that looks like you, like, when you see somebody that looks like you, you feel like you belong, like, without even question. It's like, oh, I belong here. They're like me, like, you know? But if you never see anybody like you, it's just, like, you kind of never really had that true sense of, like, like this. Like, you don't feel like it was meant for you, I guess. Yeah. And so until you actually see that, you really don't, like, you don't really think of education like a passion. You think of it as something you have to do. You have to do it to graduate. You have to do it to get a job. You have to do it to get money. You don't see it as, like, an art or, like, a craft. Something you can actually use as a tool. Something just kind of bouncing off of what Darius said. There's obviously a stereotype as to what teachers look like, and it's essentially a white female, like a white middle-aged woman, just naturally. And it's kind of human nature to play into a lot of stereotypes that are set for us inadvertently, really. Like, we might not even realize that we're doing it, but that has kind of just, I feel like, portrayed itself, especially in this particular scenario, where you see that stereotype and you feel like because you don't fit into that stereotype, you naturally just don't even think twice about going into that profession. Um, what I was going to say was, like, in the black community, we like, a lot of us are not brought up in wealth, to say. And for kids who are, like, smarter, I guess, it doesn't like they're not really encouraged to become teachers because teachers don't make that much money. So basically like to get out of where you're coming from, you have to do something else to make money. Like about the whole like ball thing, like 
that does also play a huge role because we have like I'm not gonna like I don't wanna say like I don't wanna try to pull the bit in the car to say like, oh, you know, black people this or you know, black people that but like there's also just like it's innately different worlds just off of the color of your skin like in this state. Like it's just it's different, it's weird. And it's like the struggle with like a black person like I don't know, having like a single parent or because your father's incarcerated or because of this and that, like there's so many other worries there's so many other obstacles and things like you're worried about, like in education. Like it should be most people's like a scapegoat, but it's not. And they kinda of see it as more of a burden because they come to school with teachers that don't want to teach them, that don't want to be there, and then they go home to a parent that's maybe not there or a parent that is going through something that's not there for them how they need to be. So then it's kinda of like, where do you go? Cause I like I, if the teacher doesn't really feel like they have a connection with the student, it kind of, it, like it definitely like changes the way the teacher or like the student interprets what the teacher says. Like my best classes are the teachers that I actually like like or have a pat or like you know yeah. enjoy. Or for me, whenever I see a teacher like exert their passion and like actually make it seem like they're passionate about it, it kind of gets me passionate about it. I'm like no because they care that much, I can care a little bit. Right. But not every student gets that, and I feel like with me being in AP classes, being a black person, I'm like the only black person in, like a lot of my classes. Like there's like maybe one or two other people, and when, like when I go to a CP class, it's like the way the teacher acts is completely different. Like it's very nonchalant. Like it's like you know you have this, you have that. Like they have lessons that don't go in depth. Like it's just it's like a very general based kind of learning, and it's like majority of the students, or at least the majority of the black students at this school take those CP classes. So they're not they're not even getting that higher level of education. I'm getting that like you know that in depth that thing that actually makes you passionate about it because like in CP classes. They go over the basic things you need just to know it, and that's it. But when you're going to AP class, they go in depth about it. They, go, they tell you more than you have to know. Right. And if my people aren't in those classes, then they're never even, like, you know, they're never even seeing that hill, that crescent. You kind of hinted at something there. Like, um, so we have uh, sometimes in a school uh, people who are coming from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And... What is the importance of, like, if you're coming, if, if you're in a classroom and you feel like culturally mm -hmm. there are, the teacher doesn't understand where right. you're coming from and the rest of the students don't understand mm -hmm. where you come from, what does that do to you in terms of your, like, mentally what's going on and does it, how does that impact your education and how can you, you being, uh, you then being in the classroom mm -hmm. or on a hallway with teachers, mm -hmm. impact that, right. impact that, what what can sometimes be a, maybe a disconnect. Teacher coming who's grown up in a, a middle class right. white suburb teaching in a, a predominantly African American mm -hmm. urban environment, as right. an example, trying, coming in and struggling with making building rapport with students or trying to make a connection exactly. and then how do you how do we overcome that how how does how does your um involvement in education how can that impact that so just kind of talk about first of all like what's going on mentally with you mm -hmm. when you when you encounter that and then how you plan to help resolve that any issues um well Obviously, the issue of representation, um, 
Dr. James from the Call Me Mr. program at College of Charleston brought an astounding statistic to us, and it's that students, black students specifically, that have a teacher between first and third grade that are that represent them racially are 80% more likely to continue their studies in college, 80%. And that, that absolutely blew my mind. And that's kind of a moment when it switched on and the importance of representation and all of that. So just seeing that, even not even necessarily like having them as a teacher, just seeing them in the building, seeing them as in a position of authority helps kids, whether they realize it or not, it helps them notify that there's more to it than just, you know, the minimal. There's so much more to it than that, but that representation is kind of a factor. Okay. Um, well, like you said, if black students have, like, the suburb-raised white teacher, they're going to be like... Why, why should I listen to you? You don't know thing, like you don't know what it's like to be me. But for like for me, I took it like the other way. I was like, I'm gonna show you exactly. that I can be yeah. just as good as you, mm-hmm. even yeah. better if I apply my mind to it. So I think that's where the disconnect is. Like students, they don't like they take for granted what they have. I guess mm-hmm. I don't. Well, I wouldn't really say that, but like they don't realize the opportunity that they have. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think as far as personally for me, being black and Asian, I think like when I, majority growing up, a lot of my teachers were white and a lot of them were female. And I think that growing up, if you're not part of the majority, to me, I learned that, okay, since I'm playing for this team, almost like I'm gonna show them that like, I, like Dennis said, you're not destined to be a statistic. So just because I'm not white doesn't mean I'm going to fall into all CP classes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, it's a challenge. And I think for someone who's other students who aren't like me and they do face problems with, like you said, a middle class teacher who doesn't know what they're doing, I think it's responsibility on both sides as far as the teacher and the student to really, like Dennis said, take really take grasp of where you're at. You're getting a free education as a student. And people don't realize this, over 60 years ago, African-Americans were fighting just to be in the same classroom as a white teacher. So responsibility on students, take that for granted and realize it. Responsibility on teachers, understand your students and don't just, I guess, take off, like, get the first impression and just think, okay, for the rest of the year, it's gonna be like this because the first day of class, he was talking to his friends because he disrespected me. Lay the ground rules down because you're, as a responsibility as a teacher, you have to, manage your classroom. And so as soon as you have that understanding down, what the student does and what the teacher does with the after is up to them. And hopefully they make the responsible decision of understanding one, understanding one another, even though we didn't grow up the same. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. How, how can, like, all right, so, so the six of you planning going, on going into education. Yes, sir. And you're, you're going out into schools. Now, I don't know what schools are going to be, but how does that how does if, if we can if we can recruit more males, mm-hmm. more African American males specifically into the profession, and and they're in schools, how does that change the dynamic? How does that help in terms of in terms of like the the, the 
the teachers who are who are there try and, and many of them may have uh, positive intentions like mm -hmm. they're trying they yeah. just don't right. they don't have the background knowledge right. not it's not their fault they, they have a heart and they care but they just mm -hmm. don't have the background knowledge how does how does it help for you to be in those situations maybe providing professional development providing some insights so that those teachers on that staff benefit from you helping to make some build some bridges I guess I mean, like you said, like, if even, like, one of us was in the school, that's still one person, one black man that's been through that, that's lived that lifestyle, and that could vouch for all the other ones that are in the school as well. And I feel like it's just having one of us, because a teacher, like, say she has a problem, she can't seem to connect with her student, she just doesn't know why, what's happening, she comes to me, and I'm like, I, I just tell her, and I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I could provide, like, a lot of insight and help them out, because... I'm, I'm, I lived that life. I've lived that life. And not only have I lived it and I, or am I living it, I'm also coming out of it and I'm also going to be successful and also, like, have face obstacles. I've been there. I've done that. But, like, it didn't change, like, it didn't change me. Like, I'm, I'm sure if I told half the people, like, my life story or, like, things I've gone through, they'd be like, what? And you, you're here? Like, you're articulate? Like, you want to graduate? You want to go to college? You're going to major in education? What? But I feel like, I feel like if black kids are shown that it's not what you go through, it's how you react to it, and they actually see it in a living example, I feel like that's what really changed, like that's what really shows them like, oh. Cause I feel like a lot of people, they, they're really not bad, like they really do have goals, it's just they don't have that support, they don't have that, they've never been told you can do this, you're, you're, you can do better than what you're doing, or they've never been like shown like you're capable of better. Cause like, I've had like a lot of teachers, like even like in like elementary school, they like, you know, maybe do robotics and stuff, just let me, like, maybe do different things like that I didn't think I could do. But like being a little kid doing robotics, something I didn't really know or didn't really like, just like get myself out there and be like, wow, you can actually program a robot to do this. It's like, I didn't know I could do that. And yeah. then you kind of just get that feeling of like, I can just do new things whenever. And like, I feel like that's so, but that small little, it's always that small spark that's, that makes the biggest change, I swear, but people don't realize it. There are legislators and people, education leaders, policy makers right now trying to figure out how to address the teacher shortage. Right. Uh, which I don't know if I'd describe it as a shortage. I think there's a lot of people who want to be teachers, but for whatever reason, uh, this economic or they just don't like the environment, uh, they're not going into it. So we've got people who could, like you, who can go into the profession. We're not able to attract them. If you could get into a room with some legislators and some education leaders, the people at the highest end who are making these decisions about what do we do about this? Mm -hmm. How do we recruit people like you into the profession? What would be some strategies you would tell them that they need to employ? Well, first, I would say make sure, I'm not, I mean, because everybody, like, everybody wants to do something that they're going to benefit from. So I would say make sure, like, because everybody knows that teachers are not getting paid what they should be getting paid right now. So I was just saying, like, make sure they know that the education field is growing and is changing it for the better and that it may not be perfect now but it will be it is improving and no um pretty much the same as what darius said it's just the fact of the matter is everybody knows that teachers don't get paid a lot of money here like everybody knows that the students know that i've known that since i was in like a student in elementary school, I knew that my teachers didn't get paid what they should. Yeah, I knew that. So naturally you just, 
knowing that you're going to be a member of society, everybody wants a lifestyle where they can maintain themselves. And it seems that teachers simply can't even do that. So why would we knowingly go into that profession expecting just to barely be able to live in an apartment? You know, it's just it's not it's not appealing from the outside in. And that's very understandable because everybody wants to be able to live a lavish lifestyle. But I mean, you know. Um, And another thing is like, you're going to college for four years and your peers are gonna graduate and possibly make like six figures straight out of college. And last night at at CSU, the mayor of North Charleston said, the starting salary of the teacher is equivalent to like someone who works on the back of a garbage truck. So there's just like no point for people. People don't see the point in it to become a teacher. It doesn't look attractive from the outside in. So people just don't look, they just, it's like, it's not worth my time and don't make enough money, whatever. But they don't take the time to actually like dive in, actually like try to find out more about the education system because it's, I think it's beautiful. Like you get to touch kids' lives every day. Like, you get to make an impact every day you come to work. Every day, like, every day coming to work is different. You like every no, like no day's the same. Like they have different students every day. Like I just feel like people don't really look at the positives because they see that one huge negative, mm. and it's like, eh, I'm done. Cancel. But I feel like once they fix that problem, then it's, it puts on the equal playing field to where like, all right, so do you want to be a teacher or do you not want to be a teacher? Because like, like you said, now people who want to be teachers just cannot be teachers. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. So I feel you have to like that to level up with the equal pay or with the at least like give them like something, and then I feel like you can actually truly ask the question, actually try to find a solution. Because people just aren't gonna they're not gonna come to the profession if they're not getting, if not, if they're not getting their money's worth. Right. Like why would you willingly put yourself in debt? And then teachers like that like so many hours that that go like unnoticed like they have to spend up like stay up nights doing lessons like they have to come on teacher work like they have to come and do like a lot of things that we don't know about that are under like that are behind the scenes and that they don't get paid for. Okay. And um, I think that like as far as like like Darius was saying as soon as you lay down that that level playing field of like economically okay I know money wise. Teaching is not that bad. So once that's out the way, I think everyone, I think educators, especially, I think educators really have to stress the importance of becoming an educator and the power of an education. Like, to me, as, as like, part of, half of my dad being African-American, I would go to family reunions and all my cousins and everything, the goal was growing up was to be a basketball player or a singer or a rapper. It was never to be an educator. And the in society, the fact that we stress like subjects like that, not to not to say that they're bad or like I'm not saying anything like that, but the fact that we stress become a basketball player, that's the goal over being an educator. That's I mean, if you can't see the disconnect there, I mean I don't know what to tell you. But as much as we stress, go to go play basketball for Coach K at Duke. Also, go become a principal in South Carolina because we're 49th in the state or whatever we are at, and you see we're struggling. Like stress the importance of an education as much as we stress other professions like a doctor or a lawyer and stuff like that. I want to ask a question, different type of question. I think in your position, you're being African-American males going into the profession. Mm -hmm. There is this danger that people will only see, like, like I'm asking you questions just about that. Mm -hmm. And forgetting that 
not, not forgetting, but I think there's a, it's almost like pigeonholing you, like the only thing I need to ask you about mm -hmm. is how do we deal with this race issue? How mm -hmm. do we deal with it? And I think that, um, that there's a potential there for us to overlook the fact that you may have ideas to transform education that have nothing to do mm -hmm. necessarily with race, nothing necessarily right. to do with being a male. Right. Like you've got these ideas how you want to make the school system a better place. Mm -hmm. So I want I want you to talk about that for now. Let's get off that that subject and just talk about your ideas. Like you've come up now, you're seniors, you're getting ready to go to college, you want to become teachers. How do you see yourself as change agents? Uh, beyond this issue of race, what do you, how do you see yourself as change agents in the school systems? What else needs to change? What do you hope to? Do? Yeah. yeah, who wants to work? Um, well, I feel like our like our coursework needs to be more like relatable, and like because we grow up, we go to school, eighteen years or whatever, twelve years, but we don't actually use any of the stuff that we learned the whole time in real life. Like we don't learn how to pay bills like do taxes, none of that. But we can tell you like all the parts of a cell. But I mean, that's good for like people who want to go into science, but like, I feel like by high school, you should make it like geared towards what the student wants to do or like an idea of what the student wants to do. Because if we don't, if we're not going to use it, we don't really care to learn it that much. So we're not going to put forth effort in something we don't care about. <laughs> And that's not going to benefit us. Okay. What are the ideas? Um, just to piggyback on what he said, last night at the meeting, one of the teachers at another school was saying how her books are from 2004. And kids nowadays, they're not going to comprehend with 2004 school books. So I guess new materials, that's a, that's a big factor that plays in. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me is um there we talked we heard some kindergarten teachers talk about how now they're mandated to teach them how to read and they're losing the the skills of life how to be kind how to mm -hmm. treat others well so in that way where we're forcing kids to learn a little too early in some cases where they're you know and next thing you know they're old they're 18 year olds are and they don't know how to properly shake a man hand or you know how to greet somebody and say walking passing good morning or how are you doing so getting back to more of the soft skills of life to make the world a better place okay i would say like almost like kind of like going on to what james said about the soft skills and just like not the textbook things in like like in like the education system but like the things that you don't see like the like interactions with people that you have every day, like how you greet people, how you talk to people, how you treat people. I feel like a lot of that, I feel like school plays a big role in how we treat people in day-to-day -day life because you're in school five days out of the seven days of every week for eight hours a day. I feel like, I don't know. And like the change I would bring, I would try to make, make it more creative, I guess. Like have students kind of more, you know, put their own like style, their own flavor into what they do, not just come to school and have to do mandatory things every day, but like, kind of make it to where they can express themselves even throughout their, like, you know, throughout their course, right, throughout the lessons in ways that they haven't been before. I feel like 
and I'm sure most students would agree with me on this point, but teaching, or not teaching, learning in school has become less about learning, and it's definitely emphasized memory, and you memorize what you need to know until you take a test on it, and then you dump it. And that's human nature. That's just how your brain processes things that you know you don't need to remember forever. But, and all, like Dennis said, the classes where you're taking classes on things that you're never going to use again. In this scenario, that's bad. But in a scenario where it's not about memorizing what you're learning, it's about learning how to think. Higher level learning. Things like pre-calculus, an extremely hard class. And I complained about it all last year, but... If I knew that I'm learning how to think and not just memorizing information that I know I'm never going to use again, my priorities would be very different in that class. That's just how I feel education has kind of morphed into memory and not yeah, learning. Yeah, that's the sad thing about it. All of you, how many of you, just raise your hand, how many of you are going to be in the Call Me Mr. program at your school? So tell me about the role that Call Me Mister has played in your decision to become an educator and what you hope to get out of that, that experience being a part of that program. Um, the Call Me Mister program provides support system um, when you need it, and it also goes towards your tuition and fees when you're going through school. So. It helps you out um, during when we're going to college. So I guess it plays a big role in, you don't have to kind of worry about like financial mm -hmm. stuff when going through college. Um, yeah, like he said, it helps like financial wise because I probably would have to go to the military or do something else to be able to go to college. But now through Call Me Miss Year, I can not worry about that so much and I like I could start off positive and I don't have to owe money after I leave college. Um not more on the financial side, but more of the all my life I've wanted to be a teacher and I, I, every time I said it, man, you wanna be a teacher, you wanna be a teacher, but the call me Mr. program you know, I'm not alone. I, I got brothers, you know, who want to be teachers, who want to be passionate about what they're doing. So it, it just brings me joy to knowing that, you know, I'm not alone and that I can talk to him about, hey, I had a problem with this student. And I, 50 years from now, I can say, hey, I'm not alone. I mean, and Jaheem just told you, like, the fact that he has a, a support system and people who share his passions like, that sense of belonging, that sense of representation, like, I swear it drives, like, every positive force ever. Representation. But, um... <laughs> so I got, I got carried away. Oh, wait. Oh, so I feel like the Coin Mr. program would help me. Like Bernard said, because, like, the financial aspect, yes, because, like, you're less worried about financial things. You can actually focus on your art and your craft, which is education. So you could actually make it you without being like, oh, man, like, I don't have that, t I don't have that money for tuition. And that point, you're stretching to find a job, maybe you're working like every night so that you can't actually do your project for your education class that you need or something, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you don't have to slack. And also like, I love a challenge and I like, I love being held to higher expectations because then I can only do better than what I did before. And I felt the Coming Mr. program holds us to that set of expectations. They hold us to be like, they hold us accountable. And like, when you're Coming Mr., you, you have to carry yourself somewhere. You have to be, you have to be that person. You have to be up there. And I felt like, what better way for me, you know, to 
relate myself to my first grade students to me being a black, call me Mr. Young male teacher. And I feel like, I don't know, that it helped me just kind of, that it just, I feel like the Call Me Mr. program will also instill, you know, new, maybe, you know, ways of thinking or ways of treating people, which will help me and benefit me as I embark on my teaching career. Um, kind of just the second half of what he said, a huge thing for me is um, there's so much that goes into the Call Me Mr. program. It's not just simply a scholarship that's paying for your tuition. It's so much more than that, and it's so involved. And recently, uh, Dennis and I went um, to a shadow visit, like, a you know, a, a cougar for the day visit at College of Charleston, and our shadow art student, he was telling us, like, about the Call Me Mister program. He wasn't a mister, but he worked closely with them, and just kind of the recognition that you get for being that, you know? So it's just... They do so much in the community, and I love being involved in all of that. Like, I've been involved in Ashley Ridge, like, been in the leadership program, been through all of that. Like, so just being involved and leaving your mark, mm -hmm. and I feel like Call Me Mister is definitely a program that can bridge you to somewhere where you can leave your mark before you leave that school at the end of four years. And that, that, that means a lot to me, for sure. Um, and also, the Call Me Mr. program is not, like, exclusively African-American males. So you also have, like, people from different backgrounds where you can learn from them, too. So, like, Asian males and, like, people from, like, other countries. And also, like, <laughs> like, we can't forget that males in general are a minority in the education, in the yeah. education system. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're surrounded by people who all are who have that same passion, have that same goal, but also have different stories and different paths and different ways they got there, I feel like it's incredible because then you get, you get to know what got them through their hard times because maybe you could take their lesson and we have a student who, you know, just can't seem to get it right. Maybe that lesson you learned from your brother, you can, it, help, it can help you relate to that student and connect with that student and get that student out of, it, like out of his, or his or her funk and get them thinking right and get them on the right path. What, um... Let's shift to the te teacher cadet program here. Um, all your teacher cadets. What attracted you to that program, and what role has the teacher cadet program played in your decision to become a teacher? Well, like I said, it's always been an interest of mine. Like, like Darius said, helping his passion for people. Like, just having your hand on so many people's lives as a teacher is a huge deal but the teacher cadet program so naturally I was it it sparks interest you know because there's interest in the field of teaching so naturally I went into the program and I don't want to say it was a trap but when you learn <laughs> about how much goes into teaching and the passion and the change you can enforce behind that and it's just something that I never really learned until this year because of the teacher cadet program and just how much it's taught me about how much goes into being a teacher. And Ms. Merritt is absolutely spectacular yeah, she's and she's done nothing but help us and you know, all of that. So having her as a teacher definitely helped, especially her leading the teacher cadet program. Um, but just learning how much goes into that and what the teacher cadet program has taught us, that's, that's huge. But like you said about Ms. Merritt, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, 
I was not planning on taking, like, I was never, I never planned on taking a teacher cadet. Like, I knew I never wanted to be a teacher. It was never a question. Like, I was like, no, that's just not for me. But Ms. Merritt was like, no, Darius, like, you know, sign up for the class. It's an AP credit. Like, you know, it'll boost your GPA. Da, da, da. I was like, easy AP credit, boost my GPA. You know, why not? So I took it for that reason. But like Kyle said, it's like once you get in that classroom, you start learning about education, you start going to classrooms, like seeing little kids' faces, like brighten up when they see you in the classroom. It's like, man, so I'm like, where's the pen? Like, so I'm here to be like, it's like, it's just, it's like, it's really a trap. Not a trap, but like, it's a beautiful thing though, because like, it's just kind of like, Swallows you. I don't know. Yeah. That's like you go in just trying to look and be like, you know, am I, I going to be a teacher? And like, you just fall through a bunch of you like figure out like just how like amazing like how just the kids like I don't know the way they react to you. Just I don't know something about it. Like Bernard said, it's just talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like the how the kids are reacting to you. I'm mm-hmm. assuming you all have you all been out yeah. in schools. Yes, sir. How do the kids react seeing you in that school? Like what? what so like I walk in. For example, I went into a first grade class a few weeks ago, and like it was like two black girls, a black boy, and I walked in, and they turned around. They're like, <gasps> and they were just like, and like they were like you know like next thing you're trying to like talk to me and stuff. I'm like, yeah, like, it was it's, it was so cute and it's so innocent, just pure, just like that representation, that sense of belonging. It's like I come in all well dressed, articulate, you know, polite, and how to people. And it's like I can, it's like they see me like I could be that person one day. Like he did it, I can do it. And this right there, boom, something that simple. Um, the first time I went to, well, for Teacher Cadet, we went to Beach Hill Elementary School down the road, and I went into an English class, and I sat in the back to observe after introducing myself to the teacher, obviously, and there was um, one black student sitting towards the back, just kind of tying it back into representation, and he just kind of looked back at me. I looked at him, and I waved, you know, and then um, they got time where they were able to move around and, like, talk to each other and stuff, and a few of them approached me, and they go, you look like a rapper. <laughs> and I had I had braids in at the time, so I guess I can see the correlation there or whatever. But they're like, you look like a rapper. I'm like, I don't know how to take that. Thank you, I guess. And then they're like, why are you here? And they started asking me more questions and wanted to find out why I really was there, and it wasn't the rap. I was, you know, <laughs> there to sit in on a lesson. So, um... And their faces kind of changed after that, after I told them I was really there and, you know, I'm not just there to look cool, I guess, you know. So just their reaction to that, to finding out that I'm not just there, I'm there because I want to be a teacher too, me looking the way I look. I look like a rapper, but I can be a teacher. Right. You know, that, that, that meant a lot to me, seeing how they reacted to what I said. Anybody else? I mean, I think... I think definitely the reaction of going in, like, it's definitely a positive reaction. And like Kyle said, going back to, like, what I said before, it's like everyone is told to be a basketball player or a rapper, and it's like that's a perfect example right there. But through the teacher cadet program, us being at Beach Hill, Kyle is able to spread that message that just because I look like a rapper does not mean I have to be a rapper. Like, I can be black and be a teacher and be a male. You see what I'm saying? So, like, us being in those schools... It just gives them the perfect example because you are what your environment is. So if you see a well-educated black man in your environment, because school is one of the most is the environment that you're in almost all of the day. So if you see that, it's like okay, bet say no more. He if he can do it, I know I know I can do it because he's there. 
So it's just like <laughs> now that we're in there, that's literally all we need because that's that's how bad it is almost. Yeah. But that's almost how good it is, is that all we have to do is step in the building. So imagine when we open our mouths and actually try to, like I said, understand the kids and take that responsibility of a teacher. I'm going to admit something. I think it's Beach Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you guys were talking, I thought you were saying, saying it's be chill, like oh, be yeah. chill. No, oh, no, no, be chill. no, 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 what I want to do now is uh, I, I want to just have like a, a kind of a one last mm-hmm. round with you guys. This last question, which is, what have we not talked about yet that you feel we need to talk about? What mm-hmm. you you kind of got into this thing that I think you, I sense some passion for you in that last response. Mm-hmm. What are you passionate about that we haven't talked about yet, or what are, what are some final things that you want to say about recruitment? about the education process in general, about anything, teacher cadets, call me mister, anything that you can think of that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet that you just want to get off your chest. Basically, don't stop trying to reach out to the people that you don't think, like, to the people that you don't think you can reach. Like, for instance, like, minorities, black males, I guess, in the education system. Like, just because we are notoriously known for not being in the education system doesn't mean that we won't like that our minds can't be changed, that we can't be, you know, pushed to be in the in the education system. I just feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people would say, like, yeah, like, I want to, I, I would love to have a black teacher, but they don't actually, you know, try to actually get a black teacher. It's like, they don't actually take the time with that black student. They don't actually, you know, get that black student the, the, the extra work he needs or the extra help he needs. Like, they just kind of, like, I don't know, they kind of, lose hope in them, I guess, in a sense. Because a lot of people, I don't know, like, people have a lot going on outside of school that people don't know. Like, everybody's finding their own silent battles that people have no idea about. And that's true for everybody, I feel like. And I just feel as if... I think black men would definitely, definitely play... I think we change the education system for the better, to be honest, because that's a whole nother half of people, uh, half of the population of America that you're reaching just by having that one person in the school. And I don't know. Um, What I would say would, would be it's time for action. Like, there's been a lot of conversation about it, but like, what are we actually gonna do? Like, are we actually gonna see results for this? Or are we just gonna keep talking and be 49 in the state or in the nation again? Um, I think that change is coming in the educational field. We just gotta continue to do what we're doing now, just push a little bit harder. Because there are people in, there are teachers that's wanting to continue to teach but just can't afford to. So 
if you have people out there that wants to teach, continue pushing and trying to do what everyone wants with higher pay so that we can continue to have teachers in the classroom. I would say we cannot settle. I mean, even after we make change, we cannot, we can't settle with that change. We got to keep going into, you know, 49 to 38 to 11 to number one and two. South Carolina is the standard for not just the United States, but for the whole world. Like, we got to do like those guys. We got to, they're constantly after knowledge. They're improving every year. Every year is not the same. Each year they're reforming, they're changing. And so until we get to that mindset of that we cannot settle for the bottom of the barrel, then we'll have change. I mean, like, of course, the money apart is definitely a big issue, like something that we definitely should change. But I feel like along with that, what Kyle was kind of touching on before is we have to make the profession of education look appealing again. Like the name of an educator is not good right now. And it's like with us standing in this room, having conversations like this. People need to have conversations like this across all the classrooms in the United States. That way we are able to make that change. And we have inputs from all kinds of cultures, not just black people and not just white people. You see what I'm saying? So like, you gotta have the conversation. And then like Dennis said, let's actually think of some actions that we can take to solve these problems. I'd like to thank my guests on this episode of Centerpoint, Darius Smith, Damar Proctor Floyd, Dennis Wright, Jaheem President, Kyle Persner, and Bernard Johnson. And also a big shout out to Victoria Merritt, who is their teacher cadet instructor. If you're interested in learning more about Sarah's programs and services, head on over to our website at sarah.org. That's C-E-R-R-A dot org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sarah S-C. That's C-E-R-R-A-S-C. And if you'd like to learn more about the national model for pre-collegiate teacher recruitment, head on over to teachercadets.com and you can connect with that program on Twitter and Facebook at Teacher Cadets. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of CenterPoint, the podcast for the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement. <laughs>